0: Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you can help me take this moment to uh, celebrate my mother. It's her birthday today. Uh, happy birthday to my mum. And I uh, hope she's having a good day as I record my podcast. What's <laughs> <laughs> Public Enemy's Chuck Dean bringing the noise? <laughs> On the Fifth Home Podcast Network, I'm Charlie Taylor, and this is What's Good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. And this is an eventful day, honestly. Very eventful day. It's my mother's birthday, as I said, and uh, it's actually, uh, the well, as I record the inauguration uh, for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris just, uh, I think, finished. I don't know if it, well, they've already been sworn in and that, so, you know, it's been happened, but... Uh, yeah, so, so obviously inauguration day, Trump left the White House. So just, just looking, just like a slapped ass as usual. Never seen that dude again. Hopefully, um, you know that won't happen. <laughs> but, but yeah, man, it's a, it's a it's a very eventful day. A very eventful day in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, in terms of the inauguration, I've been I've been seeing obviously stuff. But shout out to Amanda Gorman. Like uh, she dropped some bars i just i just peeped honestly she she just dropped some heat like it's about six minutes long if you got six minutes go type up her name go give her some love because jesus she she spat some bars she spat some bars so uh yeah I, I i find i find inauguration day that kind of thing a bit like you know performative it's just like americanisms isn't it? it's just like like when when, when the prime minister comes through he just like does a well, they just like take a couple of foes in front of number ten, and then fuck off into number ten. That's it. That's it. No fanfare, no nothing, no ceremony. It's like it's just get on with it. You know what I mean? I appreciate that, but yeah, inauguration's a bit too much. <laughs> it's a bit too bit too showy. Uh, but shout to Amanda Gorman because she's passing balls. She's passing balls. That was worth watching. That was the only thing worth watching. Um, but yeah, yeah, man. New new day, new day in a lot of ways. Uh, but uh, we, but you know. The vi- the vibes the vibes never change, to be honest, let's be wrong. <laughs> not, not, in the, not, not in the real world. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's been pretty decent. um I've had a real, I don't know, contentious week. Like a real, uh, you know, some, some days good, some days just crap, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know, I had like a, yeah, you know, you have one of those phone calls that just piss you off for the rest of the day. I had one of those, that's so just, it's just irritating as shit. It's just like, why? And you, I literally woke up to it as well, and I was just like, Oh good, now I'm pissed off for the rest of the day. You know what I mean? It's just it just doesn't doesn't sit off in it? it. It just doesn't do it, man. Ain't ain't it chief. Ain't it? Ain't it? Ain't it? Um I actually wrote uh for the first time on the first time, uh, for the first time in a while on the fifth element. Um very little because obviously it's inauguration day. I did a state of the hip hop union address. See how I did that? See how I flipped that? Um so yeah, if you guys want to go peep that, fifth uh .org.uk, Full slash articles go peep that, It's the first one, up there, obviously. And uh, yeah, we'll see if I keep up the streak of actually writing things on there instead of just uh, focusing on the pods. Because I try and find time for it, but obviously this past year I just have have not found time. Um, I had an idea for something uh, for the podcast network, but I'm not really sure if I want to do it. Um, I'm not sure if there's any point in doing it from an audience perspective. Um, but we'll, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do. I'll look into it. You know what I mean? So. Uh, it's a little idea I've been thinking of, uh, yeah man, other than that, it's been a pretty solid week, um, got some great topics, great segments on this particular episode, love this one, this is going to be good, it's going to be fun, going to enjoy this one, so let's get started, why not, Formats before we begin, email Twitter IG, Discord link, all that, all that, all that, all the links for the articles that I'm about to read for the episode will be in the full show notes, so go peep that and go read those as well, and with that said, Let the beat drop and let's get into the show. In a week where Trump is impeached for the second time and uh, he still might get, uh, uh, I guess, banned for life for trying to be president again or whatever, um, if he gets stunned by the Senate, convicted by the Senate. We'll see how that goes. Uh, James Harden is traded to the Brooklyn Nets, and the biggest NBA trade ever. And it's actually looking pretty good so far. Um, it's been a few games past already, and uh, it's looking pretty good over there in Brooklyn. Looking pretty freaking good, tasty over there. But we'll see how how it works when uh, Kyrie actually feels like coming back. Uh, it this is great. This is great. I, I saw this. I saw this um, last week, and I was just like, okay. Um, Italy's largest organized crime trial in more than three decades begins. Get this with prosecutors bringing in charges against 355 members of the Ndrangheta uh, crime network how the hell are you gonna do that like you watch all these mob movies right and they, they can't even get one person locked in you know what I mean they're gonna try and do 355 man they must have them dead to rights if they're can, if they're doing all that that's crazy uh, more than 2 million worldwide have now died from corona and as of this as of today Wednesday the 20th of January, UK reports 1,820 COVID deaths, the highest daily toll so far. Salute, UK. We are leading. Salute. Well done, guys. And um, we shall begin with the uh, first of two life topics. Um, I wanted to kind of um, re- uh, take, a- take another look at, this, uh, at the new Crossfire. So as I said last week, the 18th was the 40th anniversary of the new crossfire and um i wanted to uh and the days already passed obviously but obviously last episode was kind of introductory in a lot of in a lot of uh, way, a lot of ways but i kind of wanted to get more into it i kind of wanted to uh, read something a bit more a bit more meaty now that we together know the basics of the fire itself what happened a little bit after that and uh you know the fact that it hasn't been uh Uh, the the case hasn't been solved um, up to now so i found this article by Kahindi andrews um, amazing writer uh, uh, this is via the guardian he's a professor of black studies at birmingham city university and he also has a book uh, the new age of empire how race and colonialism still ruled the world um, and that'll be published in February. So I might, if I on an audiobook, I might give it a look. It sounds, sounds pretty good. And, um, ha, audiobook, give it a look. Um, and, uh, yeah, because he, he does some great writing. I've obviously highlighted his uh, work on here before. Uh, but, yeah, this is great. This is called uh, 40 Years On from New Crossfire. What has changed for Black Britain? So, obviously, this is very uh, widespread, um, but obviously focused on using the New Crossfire as a... Uh, exemplar, uh, as as kind of like a base, or uh, a core, for the overall, uh, I guess, uh, uh, what has changed for Black Britons, basically, (laughs) there's a word for it, but uh, it uh, misses me, it misses my head, so let's just jump right, this is a lengthy one, um, so I'm going to uh, maybe skip a few paragraphs here and there, um, but we'll just see how it goes, um, in terms of just how I, how I read it, how I enjoy, if I enjoy reading it, or if uh, You know, if any of the details I can skip over uh, for any reason, just for the sake of time. But uh, I might maybe just go through it all and then just uh, edit afterwards. I'm not sure. We'll see. Uh, Anyway, although it happened before I was born, the New Crossfire in 1981 and the National Black People's Day of of Action that followed are landmarks in my identity. Growing up in a Caribbean family in the 1980s, they are a part of our collective memory. New Cross is fundamental because it uh, contains all the features of racism that Black people in Britain have long have have long suffered: racial violence, police abuse, neglect by the state. In turn, it tells us of the community resistance, of communities' resistance. Forty years on, recalling the event seems vital, especially in this moment of renewed optimism after the Black Lives Matter protest, because the legacies of New Cross still resonate. On 18th of January at 1981 a fire tore through uh, 400, 439 New Cross Road in South East London where Yvonne Ruddock was celebrating her 16th birthday with about 60 guests. Wayne Hayes, who was 17 at the time, recalled the carnage in an interview for Half Post last year. He described how dozens of teenagers and young people trapped upstairs in the house after the stairs collapsed resorted to jumping out of, the second, floor, out of second floor windows how it was so hot, quote, people's skin was peeling back, unquote, and how the pe- the aftermath, he, in the aftermath he had 140 skin grafts. He shattered 163 bones and has been, has been classed as disabled ever since. 13 young people were killed, more than 50 injured, and one guest, Anthony Burback, died two years later at the age of 20. Many believe he took his own life as a result of the trauma that night. Filmmaker uh, Menelik Shabazz was 26 at the time, and had been living in London since moving as a six-year-old from Barbados. To chronicle both the fire and the commu- community response, he made blood-a-go-run. Blood-a-go-run. Ah, if I said that properly. Quote, it was a historic moment that was uh, important to document, he says. The film includes testimony from uh, Armza Ruddock, whose children Yvonne and Paul both died. Quote, every time I close my eyes, I can only see the fire, and the children were screaming, uh, children were screaming and when they stopped screaming, I said, oh my god, they're dead, unquote. Shabazz describes his reaction as similar to the experience people felt at Grenfell. Quote, It's a shock to our system to know that 13 young people ended up dead during a birthday party. People were very angry and upset. Speaking to him him and others, it is clear that the anger remains palpable. Shabazz says it was a racist attack. And it it is a widely held assumption in black communities that the fire was started by fascists, most likely using a petrol bomb. A second inquest in 2004 accepted that the fire was started deliberately, but rejected that it was racist attack. Uh, brackets, uh, coroner, uh, coroner, corona coroner, Gerald but Gerald Butler said in his verdict, quote, while I think it, while I think it probable, dot, 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 that this fire was begun by deliberate application of a flame to the armchair near to the television, dot, dot, dot. I cannot be sure of this. The result of this result is this. That in the case of each and every one of the deaths, I must return an open verdict. Unquote. He was satisfied. He said he was satisfied that the fire was not started by a petrol bomb or any other incendiary device, either thrown from outside or inside the house in the cross road. No one has ever been charged uh, in connection with the fire and the case remains unsolved, leading to a complete lack of faith in the official investigations. Collectively, we remember this event as the New Cross Massacre, where there have been has been no justice for 14 black young people. Local history appeared to support the theory that the fire was a racist attack. Ten years before, in 1971, a Caribbean house party had been attacked by a firebomb in Sunderland Road, nearby Forest Hill, leaving 22 injured, <clears throat> and leaving three years And just three years before, in 1978, Deptford's Albany Empire uh, Community Theatre was burned down, with the National Front claiming responsibility. This was the era of far-right extremism, marked by violent racist attacks, that Britain prefers to forget. I am old enough to have walked to school and seen chalk directions to NF meetings, but I am young enough to have missed the daily violence and could naively wonder whether the letters stood for new flowers. Shante Joseph, who is... Writing a book on British black power stresses the need to remind people that in recent history, quote, white people in this country made bombs and threw them at us, unquote. Caribbean House, house parties were a particular target. In the month after the New Crossfire, right wing Tory MP Jill Knight raised the issue in Parliament, calling for such, quote unquote, noisy gatherings to be banned on the grounds of public safety, citing race relations legis- legislation as a reason. Uh, the people's hands were tied. There was already a lack of trust among black communities in the official response and a general perception of the police as racist and discriminatory. Abuse of the so-called sus laws, for example, which allow allow police to not only stop and search, but actually take people into custody on mere suspicion, was a constant issue. Police raids on parties and accusations of brutality were ever present. David Michael, the first black police officer to serve in Lewisham in the 1970s, New Cross is obviously part of that borough, described the force as behaving uh, like an occupying army, quote-unquote. Unfortunately, this is the approach many felt they took to the investigation of the New Cross fire. The line of inquiry into a firebombing was quickly dropped in favour of a theory that that a fire had broken out and that the unruly black youth had caused their own deaths. A number of the survivors uh, were detained for questioning, and activists exposed how children were encouraged to form, sign false statements. The story of Denise Gooding is recounted by Carol Pierre in British Black British History: New Perspectives. At just eleven years old, Gooding was subject to hours of questioning into the early morning and pressured to admit that there was a fight. There was fighting at the party. Cecil Gutsmore, the academic and activist who was active in the mobilisations after the fire, explained to me that, quote, almost immediately victims became suspects, unquote. It was not only the police response that fed into community anger, such a tragedy should have provoked a national mourning, uh, but there was silence. A month later, when 45 people were killed at Dublin Disco, the Queen and the Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher, immediately sent their condolences. It took Thatcher to five weeks to reply to Sybil Phoenix, who had written on behalf of the New Cross families and community, condemning quote the failure of dot dot government to reflect the outrage dot dot of the black community unquote. Thatcher's disrespect was summed up in her request to Phoenix to pass on her sympathies rather rather than making any efforts to contact the families herself. The lack of an official response to New Cross uh, demonstrated the value placed on black lives in Britain. The media were, were largely silent, or supported the view. That the black youngsters had caused the fire themselves. The anger is evident in Gusmore's voice as he recalls the silence from those in authority and the New Cross campaigners' quote, uh, "13 dead, nothing said" slogan. In 1981, the Black British power movement, the uh, British Black power movement, sorry, had been active for at least two decades. Self-help was key: building up education and community to, uh, community support to fill in the gaps left by the neglect of the state. When I interviewed Leela Hassan Howe, who in 1981 was deputy editor of Race Today for a profile last year in Guardian black in the Guardian's Black Lives series, she explained that by the time of the new, of New Cross there was quote a militancy in the black population and we had to take a stand unquote. As part of the Race Today collective, Hassan Howe, along with her f- future husband, activist Darkus Howe, John LaRose, representing the Black Parents movement, Roxy Harris and others, arranged a community meeting at the local moonshot club following the fire. She remembers that they were expecting 70-80 to 80 people, but more than 300 turn up, and she quote, realised that there was this was a movement of change, something different has happened, unquote. Out of the meeting came the new Cross Mask Action Campaign, NCMAC. Support was so widespread that fifty pounds of the nineteen thousand pounds raised uh, for the families came from black prisoners at Wormwood Scrubs. Weekly meetings were held and momentum built up for the National Black People's Day of Action, which was to be eight, an eight hour event on the second of March 1981. Gusmore remembers that they were they were keen not to quote rush into the march we needed to give ourselves time to organize and mobilize properly unquote Hassan and explained that they were eager explained they were eager to make sure it was quote not traditional left-wing demonstration unquote where they marched had no impact had no impact and then went back to their lives they chose a monday to march from new cross into central london to quote disrupt the working day unquote trinidadian intellectual clr james had an important impact on the black power movement in Britain, and Hassan Howe recalled his advice to not, quote, assume that London is Britain, unquote. Making the day a truly national event was a priority, and Dark as toured the country. He was aided by Professor Gus John, one of the foremost black voices on education in Britain. Overall, more than 70,000 leaflets, 10,000 posters were distributed nationally, and John arranged for more than six busloads of protesters from Manchester alone. The weeks of planning paid off, and more than 20,000, almost exclusively, black protesters uh, marched across London. For Dark as Hell, the day was, quote, black-organised, black-led, and you felt that, unquote. Gus remains struck by the memory of the march, quote, going under the bridges in South London, the echo of the voices coming back from the crowd, unquote, describing the scene as, quote, really quite extraordinary, unquote. As they marched with chants such as Black People United will never be defeated, Hassan Howell recalls that, quote, people just joined in, unquote, swelling their ranks. Some abandoned work for the day, and thousands of school-aged children took part. The media were a key target, and Gus Moore remembers, quote, marching up Fleet Street with high-rise buildings on both sides, funneling the sound we were making, unquote. Hassan Howe remembers a, quote, hostile environment, unquote, in what was then the home of the newspaper establishment which included racial abuse and even bananas being held at the protest. The fragile relationship with the press was only further fractured with the coverage of the protest. Throughout the entire day, there was one flashpoint with the police at Blackfriars Bridge. Although the route had been agreed, the police erected a cordon as the march approached. Gusmore remembered, thinking that we will go no further, but, quote, a whole heap of young men much braver than me were saying, onward, forward, and we would just and we just went through their line, unquote. Taking on the police and winning was a key source of pride in the folklore of the march. The press the following day focused on pictures from Blackfriars Bridge, which headlines such as "When the Black Tide Met the Thin Blue Line," that's from Daily Mail. "The Day a Blacks Ran Riot in London," The Sun, and "Rampage of a Mob" in the Daily Express. Because of course, those three newspapers would put stuff like that. Not much has changed on that front. Now, notwithstanding, the press coverage uh, the protest was a major moment in British history. In many ways, it was a culmination of years of organising Britain, represented by one of the main slogans of the march, come what may, we are here to stay. This was a direct response to the far right's calls to keep Britain white, and it became a launchpad for resistance in the 1980s. As one of the protesters insisted, blood agar run, quote, this is the beginning, not the end, unquote. Just over a month later, Bri- Brixton erupted into in uprisings against police abuse which spread across the nation and the decade. New Cross and the Day of Action remained on the people's consciousness for decades. On the 30th anniversary in 2011, Gus Moore was part part of efforts by Gus John and brother leader Mbandaka uh, for, Africa, for the African revivalist movement to recognise that, quote, we failed to create a national organisation, so let's have another go, unquote. For several years, under the banner of the Interim National African of People's Parliament Anniversary marches took place to mark the events. I travelled down from Birmingham to speak at the 2014 march and remember how raw the emotion was about the fire and the aftermath. Hundreds marched with more joining in spontaneously, just like in 1981, venting the same anger and frustration. At the time, it was exhilarating to feel the resistance, but on reflection, there is a flip side. Shantae Joseph summed up his, uh, this unease when she told me, quote, 40 years since this huge protest that brought to London to a halt, not one thing has changed, dot, dot, dot. it was tiring, it's tiring thinking about all the work that needs to be done to fix racism in this country, unquote. She stresses the importance of remembering the day, saying that, quote, these memorials need to be treated with way more respect, unquote. Hassan Howe has commented on how many people uh, how many people she engages with at university who have no knowledge of New Cross and the history of racial violence or activism in Britain. Joseph feels this lack of education black of Black Britain's past is intentional because it allows people to treat racism as a non-essential issue in society. As someone who regularly engages in media debates, I can certainly testify to this. Joseph is frustrated that we are still stuck on the question, does racism exist in Britain? Adding that (laughs) that if this is where we still find ourselves in the debate, we're not making it out of the ghetto anytime soon. As much as the Black Lives Matter uh, summer may seem like a new moment, an opportunity for dramatic change, uh, we have been here before and looking back is essential to moving forward. The National Black People's Day of Action was the crest of of a substantial wave of black power mobilisation with ripple effects across the decade that that crashed into the rocks of Thatcherism, individualism and the myth of equal opportunities. It is ironic that the very gains of the black power movement created in in access to education, employment and society are the same factors that led many of us to look for alternatives to mass grassroots political activism. Put it this way. 40 years ago, I would not have been a university professor writing this piece for a national newspaper. The day of action after New Cross was supported by black university students who were gaining their first significant foothold on campuses. Joseph warns that, quote, people need to learn to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, unquote, and that if we are heeding the lessons from New Cross, then that unease should remain palpable. Token PR gestures, diversity schemes and anti-bias training will not be our salvation. Gus dismisses that the idea of current of the that the current moment uh, is a time for optimism he advises you quote can't be optimistic all you can do is organize to the best of your ability in whatever circumstance you find yourself unquote out of the ashes of the new crossfire we saw the spirit determination and organization of black communities across britain if we take one lesson 40 years on it must be that quote black people united will never be defeated unquote Whew. wow that was tough. That was that was, that was tough. Uh, that was a full read. That's the entire thing, um, and I'm just honestly just very glad that you know I, I managed to get all that through in about twenty minutes. Um, there's a lot of thoughts to that, um, and it's something that I gleaned from. Uh, it's kind of it's, it's it's similar to their attitudes towards. Um, <clears throat> You know, optimism and just a, uh, you know, trying not to take the foot off the gas. I guess um, it's kind of what I was talking about last year as well. Like, it's, 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 it's eerily similar. Like, I, like straight after, you know, after those week or so of protests, I, I, I immediately looked forward and looked ahead, and I was just like, okay, so this is all great. This is all amazing, right? The the sights and sounds that people are producing right now are you know amazing to see right but what happens next month what happens month after that what happens a year after this what happens two years after this you know what i'm saying um and it is it's incredibly depressing to think about like how hard it is to try and like get people's not just not 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 just get people's attention, but to get people to actually you know listen and actually understand what's going on. I think people are people have the have had their echo chambers like you know popped so to speak. Like you know just th- th- think of a think of a think of a beach ball, right? That's your echo chamber, and like so, and you know BLM last year really popped a knife, like just deflated that a little bit last year for a lot of people. Uh, there was a lot. Of, well, not a lot, but there was like, um, you know, there was a white guy I know, um, that you know, just suddenly, weirdly, just oddly, started um, posting, you know, uh, pro English, you know, I, I, I'm English, uh, you know, kind of a, kind of shit on his uh Facebook, and I was just like, I was like, why are you posting that right now? You know, what I mean, you've ne- you've never, you've never been posted, you've never shared that kind of garbage, but now you are. You know what I mean? It just—it doesn't make sense to me. Um, and you know, I—I I think I told the other—the other story um, about when my mates shared some—shared uh, some garbage, and I just like you know checked in We had a conversation for like an hour. Um, but yeah, and again, and the the university bit, and I'll leave it on here the university bit really just um, saddened me because it's it was kind of like the same it was kind of the same thing for me honestly like I didn't I, you know I didn't know about New Cross until like I don't know maybe when Darkest Hell died to be honest um, so what was that four or five years ago it's the first time I heard of it but it wasn't really like I, I never looked into it until you know last week um, so yeah it's, it's it, it, it forever and always will um Give me more ammo to shoot. The education is super important for the future of like what's going on. Like If if we don't teach the youths, any of this shit, then it's just going to be another generation of people not knowing shit. And then once they get into their 20s and 30s and 40s or whatever, they will, you know, teach that <laughs> not teach, <coughs> not teach their kids like, anything, and the education system won't teach me anything, and the cycle goes on, I mean, you need to stop that cycle, and I feel like the first, and honestly, the easiest step, is to change education, like, education reform, like, massive haul, teach Blackbridge history, teach this, like, bro, and, and I'm not comparing, but, you know, I knew about Hillsborough as a youth. I didn't know about New Cross. Not comparing, but I'm just saying. And I'm wondering if the if the youths are ever going to be taught about Grenfell. Do you think? Maybe. Who knows? I'll come in time. But um, to be honest, unless there's actual reform, like genuine reform, on this front to teach Black British history and to teach all of this shit, I guarantee you. Apart from headlines about the Grenfell Inquiry and the actual anniversary itself, nobody will be talking about it in the same way nobody's talking about New Cross 40 years on. Okay, let's uh, get on to something more, a little bit more light, and uh, we'll move on to sport. So this is, ah, <laughs> oh, this is great. This is great. This is, it's just, it's, it's just fucking amazing. So um, the Australian Open is uh, coming through soon. I forgot like the specific days, um, but it's coming. Uh, so it's so prevalent <laughs> that uh, Novak Djokovic of all people is coming through to chat some bullshit. Uh, which is always great. Your, your, it, this is your reminder, your yearly reminder. That Novak Djokovic is a complete and utter fucking tool. Um, so uh, this, uh, I can pick any article to be honest, um, but this is from Eurosport. Uh, just uh, grab this one. Uh, it's called uh, "No No Special Treatment." Novak Djokovic quarantine Requests rejected. This is by James Walker Roberts. Um, so this is great. If you haven't heard this story, amazing. It's just it's just great. And if you guys remember last time I talked about Novak Djokovic, which was a few months ago, um, I think around US Open time, I think, um, he was talking just utter shit. And obviously, he spent the whole of y- whole year when everyone was in lockdown the first for the first time, and you know like, going around, you know, hosting charity events, and then like a load of tennis players caught corona um, off one of his off the back of one of his uh, fucking stupid ass charity meets. And uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, was he anti-Vax? I don't think he went that far, but he was just like, I don't know, He was just very lax about it. It was just irritating. It's just like such tall attitude. But this one's just, oh, just, just after a year, after nearly a year of this, he's still doing He's still doing this bullshit. So let's let's just get into this one. Victoria Premier uh, Daniel Andrews has firmly ruled out making exceptions to quarantine rules for Australian Open players following a list of proposals from Novak Djokovic. With 72 players in a two-week hotel quarantine after positive tests on flights to Melbourne, it was reported that world number one uh, Djokovic asked for better food, more fitness equipment in rooms, and uh, support, and potentially shortening, isola- shortening the isolation time, among other things. Uh, however, Andrew says uh, there will be quote no special treatment for the world's uh, top tennis players. People are free to provide listed of demands, but the answer is no. Uh, he said, uh, I know there has been a bit of chatter about the rules. The rules apply to them uh, the same as they apply to everybody else. They were briefed on that before they came, and that was the condition on which they came. There's no special treatment. The virus really doesn't treat you specially, so neither do we. Exactly. Big facts. Uh, more quote, uh, the notion that people weren't brief, I think that argument really has no integrity whatsoever. And don't just take my word for it, you've got other players who I think on social media and in other forums have made it clear that they were clear on the rules, unquote. So, you know, I feel like this is pretty, you know, pretty cut and dry, right? But, I not know, no, no, Djokovic has to stick his neck out. Uh, Djokovic's reported requests have not gone down well in Australia, where COVID-19 cases are low, but thousands of citizens are not able to travel between the states or see family members due to the... Uh, Pan-Africa... <laughs> Shit. Kept on my streak. All right, uh, Victoria Chief Health Officer Brett Sutton said, "Quote: Victorians have got uh, have gone through a long lockdown. Tens of thousands of Victorians have had their own quarantines by virtue of being close to co- close contacts, uh, of being close contacts, and everyone finds quarantine tough. Uh, there have been calls uh, for the Australian Open to be called off after the latest developments, which I feel like is you know." probable. Uh, quote, it's time to be selfish. Uh, time for Victoria to put ourselves first, said 3AW Radio n- broadcaster Neil Mitchell. Uh, call off this Australian Open, it's not worth the risk. However, tournament director Craig T- Tilly, or Tiley, uh, says the Grand slam will go ahead. Quote, we are planning on February 8th, he told Nine News in Melbourne. Uh, we do have that buffer time in there, <clears throat> and we are looking forward to welcoming fans to the Australian Open. Quote, we always knew there was going to be significant risks uh, in this pandemic, you can never tell. And I just want to add to this, uh, add, add this uh, juicy fucking bit of uh, commentary uh, from Nick Kyrgios. the G. Shout out to Nick. Um, he branded Djokovic a tool, uh, which I just fucking love, uh, for his proposals. Uh, let me get the quote from him because it's just absolutely fucking glorious. Uh, da, 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 da. okay, yeah. So let's go and let's go into this article right here. So, former Australia uh, Davis Cup player Sam Groth slammed Djokovic for a quote selfish, selfish political move. And Kirios has joined him in the criticism. 25 year old also took aim at Bernard Tomic's girlfriend Vanessa Sierra, who's been documenting their hotel room quarantine on social media and complaining about a number of issues. Quote, Djokovic is a tool, wrote Kirios on Twitter. I don't mind Bernie. But not atomic. Uh, but his missus obviously has no perspective. Ridiculous scenes. <laughs> uh, Kyrgios accused Djokovic of lacking leadership and humility. Uh, the Australian has not played since last year, but is expected to make his comeback. Yada yada yada. I I just love it. I just I just love it. I love I love Nick Kyrgios just absolutely just just fucking sconing like you know he's not he's not the biggest player right obviously like obviously it's Djokovic and Al Federer, right but um. The fact that Kiros just doesn't give a fuck, He never gives a fuck, like, he just speaks his mind. I love it. I love it. Tennis needs t- tennis needs more of that. Let's be real. Tennis needs much more of that. Djokovic being a tour right here just don't make sense to me. Like you, you, y- you, you. How stupid can you be? You- you're seeing all of this go down, right? If you did, if you weren't briefed, right? Which I highly, highly assume he was, right? I, I don't think there's any doubt that he was briefed before he flew in, right? But. For all this, you know what you can do. Let me breathe in for this one. You can leave. <laughs> Grab a plane and leave. You clearly don't want it that hard. Like, you, you just everyone's going through the same thing, bruv. Everyone's going through the same thing. I, the people complaining at this point. Doesn't make sense to me. Like, a list of demands or what, bruv? Or what? Are you gonna leave? right, no, shut up then, like, man, I'm sick of people like this, I'm sick of people like this, absolute tall behaviour, you lot have no fucking idea how much I'm sick of these people, like, daily I'm seeing these people just chat out, utter bollocks, like, at least it's going, like, I don't know know his stances on masks, I bet he ain't a mask wearer either, like, but if he's on that level, fuck me, man, just, oh, give it a rest, my guy, give it a fucking rest, if you don't like it, if you don't like the rules that are being set, and they are completely logical rules, in my view, bro, dip, dip out, leave, quit chatting shit, and I think he has this um, complex, right, where he thinks he's speaking he, for tennis, he thinks he's speaking, for, tennis, it? He, he thinks he's speaking for, for everybody, he's like, I'm the world number one, so whatever I say, everyone else thinks the same thing nah bruv I mean probably yeah I mean mean, yeah of course everyone would love to not be in a hotel for two weeks but it is what it is bruv live with it and again for the final time if you don't rate it say it with me now leave fucking leave Okay, we are hopping into our music segment and uh, going back to depressing. I mean, not exactly depressing, but just like weird. I, 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 I've. Okay, so Phil Spector died. um, If uh, for like guys don't know, he's a producer from way back in the day. Um, probably huge, huge, hugely talented guy. Created this uh, technique called wall of sound, which I've been trying to look up, like what it means, and I can't exactly like, like I can read what it what it says, but it doesn't make sense to me. Um, but anyway, he created a, me- he created a method and, uh, a technique of music producing and it slapped. Um, but what you may not know if you're under the age of, I don't know, 40, <laughs> um, uh, he, he murdered, uh, he murdered someone. Yeah. He's a, yeah, he's a convicted murderer as well. So, so, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, um, I wanted to read this. This is, uh, this was just a mad fascinating read, to be honest. I just found it interesting. Um, cause I wanted to just understand what was going what what his what this dude was about because um, obviously i knew that he was a producer and now he's dead and he murdered a woman and he was convicted for it um so but i wanted to know more i assumed there was a de- more depth in it um so i found this one it's by alexis petridis uh this is called uh, phil Spector brought joy to pop music and misery to so many lives so that's um Nice nice little uh, contrast for, for, for you. Uh, let's just jump right into this. It's absolutely fascinating. Three years before his death in 06, I interviewed Gene Pitney. Uh, talk inevi- inevitably turned to Phil Spector. He had written Spector's real breakthrough record, The Crystals, 1962, number 1, He's a Rebel. Unequivocally, one of the greatest singles in pop history. A perfect cocktail of soaring melody, echo drenched production, and Darlene Love's exuberant vocal. A year before that, he'd sung Every, every Breath I Take, which, with its rumbling timpani, overload of backing vocals, and dramatic orchestration, was one of the few early Spectre productions to hint at more uh, more is more wall of sound approach uh, that would make him a legend. And moreover, Spectre was, as Pitney put it, quote, kind of a hot news item, unquote. He was awaiting trial for murder. That was a nice sentence, I like that. Like a lot of people who knew Spectre, Pitney seemed horrified, yet oddly unsurprised at his t- at this turn of events, as if something like that was bound to happen sooner or later. The booze, the drugs, the evident instability, the obsession with guns, and the history of violence towards women. Spectre, he suggested, had been in trouble from the start. Uh, quote, I had dinner, I'd had dinner with him the first day he arrived in New York, and he said to me that his sister was in an asylum... <laughs> <laughs> and she was the same... And she was the same one in the family, i quote. <laughs> fuck. I thought, wow, where did that come from? Fucking <laughs> <I can't know. laughs> hell. What the fuck? All right, um, the truth is that everybody knew what Spil- uh, Phil Spector was like long before he killed Lana Clarkson. By his own account. A childhood scarred by his father's suicide and riven, riven with bullying. Riven? Interesting word. Um... Riven, I don't know, Riven, probably Riven, uh, by his mother, uh, by his schoolmates, had left him, quote, with devils inside me, unquote. His ex wife, Ronnie Spector, he had a wife, uh, Ronnie Spector's 1990 autobiography, Be My Baby, laid bare the full horror of their marriage. The house surrounded by barbed wire and guard dogs, the threats to kill her, either himself or via a hitman. The gold plated glass topped coffin he installed in the basement and threatened to display her body in after she was murdered, okay, okay, these these, these red flags are, like, really red, <laughs> like, like, bro, if anyone's telling you this, dip, like, fucking leave, check please, gone, plane ticket, not even in the same country, bro, dip, gone, don't care how, and I'll get to the, I'll get to how, what I want to talk about afterwards, but, Jesus Christ, anyway, uh, the stories about recording sessions ha- the stories about recording sessions that had gone wildly awry, uh, were Legion two. He shot a gun into the ceiling of LA's A and M studios while working with John Lennon in seventy three. He pointed a loaded gun at Leonard Cohen's throat. Excuse me. Cohen subsequently compared him to <laughs> to Hitler. Uh, and record and according to their basis, Didi uh, he held the Ramones hostage at gunpoint during the making of 1980's end of the century. See, guys, red flag. like <laughs> Red flag. <laughs> I don't care how good you're producing. Red flag. As a writer Sean O'Hagan once noted, in a sense, uh, even the extraordinary music he made between 62 and 66 was, quote, an act of revenge on a world that had wounded him beyond repair as a child, unquote. Every hit of vindication... Uh, that he hoped would assu- assuage his own deep-rooted feelings of inferiority. But he's a rebel. Uh, da Do Ron Ron and Be My Baby uh, don't sound like acts of revenge. They sound utterly joyful, innocent. A lot of attention is under- understandably drawn by Spectre's tendency to overload as a producer. The upteen uh, musicians required to make his singles. they doubling and tripling up of instrumentation. Uh, but Spectre's excess baggage never weighed his records down. They barrel uh, gleefully along. Even the gloomiest of ballads, the Ronette's extraordinary Is This why I Get From Loving You and I Wish I Never Saw The Sunshine, the latter, arguably the artistic pinnacle of the of Sound years, feel remarkably light on their feet. He was somehow capable of creating singles that were sonically dense but also had a sense of space. They never sound over-the-top or claustrophobic. With the possible exception of I Can'tina Turner's uh, "River Deep, Mountain High," Specter's favorite among his works, uh, Specter's favorite among his works, but a song that might have benefited from a more stripped-back approach. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what we need to talk about, Alexis. Yeah, we need to. Uh, <laughs> that's what we need to talk about now. How uh, how light his shit is. That was a weird fucking paragraph. I know what he was, do- I know what he was going for there, but it's just like you do all of that red flag shit, and then he's like, his stuff is surprisingly light. So okay and um, anyway the us failure of the latter uh, yeah the us failure of the latter sent spectre into a tailspin from which he never truly recovered his next high profile job on the beatles let it be was a mess the source material wasn't their finest john lennon remember he called it the shittiest broad of bad load of badly recorded uh, shit with a lousy feeling to it ever uh, but nevertheless spectre submerged good songs in inappropriate orchestral and choral syrup his production of George Harrison's All Things Must Pass was similarly controversial. Quote, too much echo, Eric uh, Harrison complained years later. His son, Donnie, uh, claiming that, quote, the making of the album, uh, sound clearer, uh, was one of my dad's greatest wishes, unquote. But his work on Lennon's classic Ono oh Band and Imagine albums was fantastic. Stark, minimal, the opposite of what you might expect, with only the fabulously explosive drums on the 1970 instant karma, an echo of his 60s work. The rest of his career yielded only scattered moments that suggested his former greatness, most notably the tracks he recorded for Dion's Born To Be With You, 1975. He ended his recording career being fired by, of all people, British indie rock band Star Sailor. At the time, it seemed uh, an ignoble, ignoble fate. Interesting word. Uh, for someone who had once presided over a succession of era-defining classics, whose work spurred Brian Wilson into creating the Beach Boys' pet sounds, regularly heralded as the greatest album of all time. Oh, okay. Hmm. I, I need to listen to the album before I actually like say anything about it, because everyone I've heard, uh, you know, I think it was in Rolling, like number two in Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums when they rehashed it recently, and I'm just like, really? Does it slap that hard? I need to listen to it. Uh, <laughs> And uh, whose 60 sounds you heard echoes of everywhere, not least in the Blair of Bruce Springsteen's E Street Band, but as it turned out, far worse was to come. So that was a weird fucking article, right? I must admit, that was a weird fucking article. But the, the reason I wanted to talk about it and the reason why I chose it was, um, I, f- I find it so fascinating, the, the, the levels people, um, the levels people uh, allow for crazy shit and crazy people, as clearly this dude was. This dude was damaged. Clearly, fucking damaged. Um, to allow him to create. Yeah, you know I mean, um, yeah, the conversation of you know art oh, versus the artist. You know, we've had we've had that before in this show. I think every <laughs> every uh, uh com- every person who you know likes the art, uh, likes the in any fashion has that conversation with uh, themselves or you know with other people. Uh, it's it's kind of just that conversation that you have to have at some point, but um, you know, I feel like uh, a gun to my throat would constitute okay. I'm just going to not work with you anymore. You know, what I mean, I feel I feel like I feel like for this guy Phil Spector, who you know, thankfully dead. Um, but I just find it odd that people was was the shit, was the shit did the shit really slap that hard? Did you do you have to go to those lengths? You know what I mean we 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 can I'm sure you guys um have uh, uh you know your favorite band or musician or whatever and you know uh, especially the throwback ones where you know they oh we 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 did coke and and then recorded this hit in like 2 seconds like you know what I mean like everyone's heard those kind of nutty stories from rock bands and rappers and you know songwriters whatever producers right we've we've all heard those crazy stories that people that music people like to tell but i feel like i feel like there's a line and for me a gun to the throat is probably my line <laughs> a gun in any sense is my line i'm just like why is that in this room <laughs> you know what i mean just I'll be immediately asked questions what? hold up uh, why's that, why that? why have you got a handgun in in, in on the table you know what i mean just immediately asking questions immediately uh, throwing them red flags in my head woo woo that's what you are about um so i feel like you know there's a lot of concessions that I feel like um artists have and I feel like for people like uh you know Miles Davis for example who obviously um had a lot of problems uh in his life the recordings weren't part of it and I'm saying that very slowly because I don't have the knowledge to actually back that up if anyone wants to prove me wrong on that front please do but I feel like the outside stuff that people... Uh, I, I feel like the stuff that people know him for neg- in a negative light happened outside the studio. And again, that's not me as an encyclopedia as uh, on Miles Davis. I am not an encyclopedia on Miles Davis. But when it comes to his negative shit, most of it happened outside the studio. I don't... This is inside the studio, bro. I'm not having a gun to my throat. Like, that's just not happening. You know what I mean? So his tracks might slap, his tracks might be banging, but I feel like there's a line, and if I can't record with the full uh, knowledge that there's not a gun to my fucking head, then uh, I think we're all good, and, uh, you know, what happens outside is is what happens outside, and, you know, you can, then you can have that artist-art conversation, where you're just like, well, he doesn't do it in the studio, so I can't complain, um, and you know there's some questionable sh- you can you can question that you can you can interrogate that statement right there um, if you really want to you are free to do that but for me personally if I'm in the room with you and you're doing the nutty shit that you're known for then you got a dip then I can't work with you, that's just me personally outside do you, you're, it's your life um, and if you do some crazy shit like murder a person then obviously I can't work with you But fuck me, what a crazy bastard. Wow, 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 wow. Okay, so we finish up with uh, a second life topic and uh, this is all about Facebook. Yay, we're doing it again. Uh, but this time it's different because, um, you know, as as you guys know, I uh, well I my Facebook. I do not come up on though on, on on it now. Uh, according to my mate, it says, uh, oh, your profile's gone." I'm like, "Yes, good job. Thank you for telling me." Um, but now with the recent uh, WhatsApp news, uh, if you guys don't know, they were going to change their privacy policy, and uh, it was you know weirdly worded, and people uh, you know, immediately went to the road of uh oh great, Facebook's gonna get our data um, via WhatsApp and uh you know, we're just we're just fucked on that front. And um I've been recently trying to push people into um persuade people I should say into uh, getting a uh, signal instead. It's another mes- messaging app uh oh enter end encrypted like WhatsApp well is at the moment uh, but won't be uh soon. And, uh, you know, it's a bit hard. It's a bit hard to do, um, considering that, you know, just people just don't like change, I guess, or whatever, or just, if if they go to WhatsApp, then they'll have me, but they won't have everybody else, and then they'll have to go for the hassle, try and get everybody else onto Signal, etc, etc. It's a bit tough. And uh, for me, personally, I've actually not found it too hard on WhatsApp um, I even got my mum on it, like, literally, as soon as I told her about it, she, she threw my phone at me, I just mentioned Facebook data, she just went, take it, take it, take it, put what, do whatever you want with it, <laughs> um, so, you know, take, take, take my mother's, uh, uh, road of, uh, enlightenment, guys, um, my dad did it very quickly, he saw the news himself, and he did it, um, yeah, so I've got a couple of people on WhatsApp, but uh, yeah, it still needs to change, and, um, Recently, uh, WhatsApp has uh, pushed it back to May, but obviously it's kind of a case of not if, but when. Um, but this is all about Facebook Messenger, which I wanted to get into instead. Uh, so this is called a uh, Facebook. Uh, why you should stop using Facebook Messenger after privacy backlash, uh, because um, it's re- the, the hard part for me is is Facebook Messenger, like. I have I have a lot of people on Facebook Messenger, as you can imagine. Um, as a twenty-four year old, that her was you know that his first social media, uh, account was Facebook. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of people on there of 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 uh, different, uh, of different times in my life, of course. Um, so yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be tough, but we'll see how it goes. I got my I got my best friend on it, so on Signal. So I'll take that. Um, that's kind of the only person I ch- chat to uh, on Messenger daily. But yeah. Let's just talk about this one. Uh, this is a uh, yeah. Top the title this is via Forbes. This is by Zach Doffman. Uh, so jump right in. If you're one of the Facebook Messenger's uh, 1.3 billion users, then the sudden WhatsApp backlash should serve as a stark warning. Yes, Messenger's data harvesting is significantly more alarming than WhatsApp's, but worse. Uh, there's now another serious new problem that may convince you to leave. Uh, God, these ads are horrible. Stop the scroll to continue with content the thing. It's horrible. I hate it hate just despise that as a reader especially like the the ads just like come up in your face for no reason you don't know where to scroll up or down and it's just it just makes everything confusing anyway prompted by an unfortunate series of events some woefully mismanaged pr and a widely misinterpreted misreported story whatsapp is now damaged and while its vast user base can withstand a few tens of millions departing for signal or telegram messengers uh, messengers are vital by their nature viral by their nature sorry It's why they're so valuable, and that risks long-term impact. If every departing user encourages just five to ten of their friends to do the same over the next year, which I'm planning to do, uh, then the numbers build. And if enterprises ban the use of WhatsApp for work-related messages, then those numbers build even faster. Signal's group link is a brilliant trick, enables the scale of digital migration we're seeing now. And I should do that soon. Uh, Facebook Messenger has watched on as this train wreck series of events have unfolded, has unfolded for its sister platform. But the damage it risks, uh, but the damage it risks is even greater. WhatsApp was already on the back foot before its disastrous terms and service change, contesting the negative headlines that followed Apple's privacy labels. Yes, WhatsApp looked bad compared to Signal and Telegram, but it looked truly angelic compared to Messenger. In reality the WhatsApp debacle has distracted the attention away from just how bad a messenger's invasion of privacy of your privacy is. There is no justification for it. We all know Facebook makes a living from our data. That's how we pay for its free services. But there does not need to be but there does need to be a limit. If we find ourselves in a place where Facebook says we'll take everything we can get our hands on and we say yes, that's fine, then what does that say about us and the value we place on our privacy, on our own privacy. WhatsApp's main defence against backlash has been, "quote We cannot see your private messages, dot dot dot, and neither can Facebook." Unquote. No such luck, though, if you're a messenger user. Facebook admits that it monitors the content sent in private messages between users, and Facebook definitely does share all its metadata with itself. Another claim WhatsApp has contested for its own users and metadata. We saw a perfect illustration of Facebook Messenger's scant regard for your privacy when researcher Tommy Misk and Taj Haj Talau Taj Hodge Bakker uh, of iOS clipboard fame disclosed that it was downloading private file attachments sent between users to its own servers as well as links to file shares and websites. <sighs> I need to get off messages stat. This issue with Messenger accessing your private information is easily solved. That's what end-to-end encryption is all about. Your personal messages are protected by end-to-end encryption, WhatsApp emphasized in its fight back, quote, we will never weaken this security, unquote. Messenger users can also benefit from this same of security, but only in, quote-unquote, secret conversations. Unlike WhatsApp, uh, though, this only supports messages between two people, not within groups, and not switched on by default. When it is selected, wait, 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 wait. Well unlike WhatsApp though, this only supports okay. Okay. I thought it said I thought it was in hinting that WhatsApp doesn't do it for groups. I was about to shit myself then, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Force alarm. <laughs> uh, when it's selected it stops Facebook snooping on your messages and downloading your links and attachments. If this lack of end to end encryption that makes messenger a no go for me, uh, this should be the default for any messaging platform you use. Facebook has warned the risks uh, of the risks when such encryption is not available. And WhatsApp deserves great credit for universalizing access, making end-to-end encryption available to 2 billion users. As a result, Facebook has ironically become the world's most powerful advocate for its use in messaging, contesting lawmakers who argue for mandatory backdoors. Don't take end-to-end encryption for granted. The fact that we can call a message from anywhere in the world, say from the network probes of government and bad actors is a huge plus. One of the ironies of what's, of the WhatsApp backlash is that users are, are leaving WhatsApp, which is default end-to-end encrypt, encrypted for Telegram, which is not, and that's why I didn't say Telegram, because Telegram is not. Uh, this brings me to the serious new problem that is likely to impact Messenger users, the reason you should now switch to alternative. Back in 2019, Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg argued uh, that private messaging, messaging would become the new normal, replacing the social need to share everything everywhere. This has followed on from the first reports into Facebook's plans to integrate WhatsApp and with Messenger and Instagram's DMs, creating a messaging behemoth serving almost 3 billion users. Gotta have to ditch IG DMs as well, fucking hell. <sighs> Oh well, At the same time, this signaled concerns for WhatsApp users, but also led to reports that Messenger would become end-to-end encrypted, a major improvement. But two years on, we have seen no tangible progress, bar secret conversations, disappearing messages, and some base of WhatsApp code that suggests a messaging gateway under development. What we have seen, though, is the beginning of that integration sign with Messenger and Instagram, with no security improvements in sight. Last year, Facebook told me that it remains, quote, very committed to making Messenger end-to-end encrypted by default, unquote and that the timing is, quote, is consistent uh, with what we've said since the launch, that it's going to take time, we're committed to do to doing this right, unquote, of course you are. The company has also emphasised also emphasized its defence uh, defense of such encryption before lawmakers. Uh, quote, before people uh, should be able to communicate uh, securely and priv- privately with friends and loved ones without anyone, including Facebook, listening to or wanting their conversations, uh, quote, Facebook's Jay Sullivan told uh, Senate Committee in 2019, Facebook is committed to making such private commun- communications broadly available. Uh, of course you are. <laughs> um, let me just uh, move uh, forward a little bit, uh, just to get into this, because this is actually a very length article. So let me just uh, hop on to the last few paragraphs. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's secu- there's, there is a serious risk that the negative headlines and social media backlash uh, undermines user confidence in WhatsApp security. That is dangerous anyone working in information security has uh, has likely been asked by friends and family, uh, friends, family, and colleagues this week whether they need to move from the platform. Of course, not. And while shifting the signal is fine, what about Telegram, which is less secure, or Android Messages, which has no internet encryption at all beyond a limited beta? The advice is now simple if you're still on messenger. Or if you're using Instagram DMs for anything other than engaging with companies you're buying from or casual contacts, uh, then it's time to switch. Your easiest option remains WhatsApp given to its scale. Uh, given its scale, all your friends and family are likely users. If you want a more secure option, then run to, then run to Signal in parallel. It will become more useful, usable as ever more of your contacts join. With WhatsApp and Signal running in parallel, you'll find from a security and privacy perspective. Even Eventually, you'll use Signal as the default when contacts aren't on board, but you'll likely keep WhatsApp as well for when they're not. You can also move all your Facebook Messenger chats, and groups to one or the other. You should do that now. And there we go. That's it. And um, uh, it's obviously... a. Uh, uh, a lot of the uh, rest of the article, uh, but went into detail about uh, Signal especially and other things. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of the gist. And um, <sighs> I mean, I don't really share much, um, uh, you know, obviously, you know, if, I, if I'm sharing some deep shit, you know, do, you know, ideas or, you know, documents or whatever, you know, I email, I, I'm emailing that shit. But, uh, you know, it's just, um, it's just a peace of mind thing for me, honestly. Like, um, you know, I've, I've cut off um, a lot of uh, the permissions on Messenger that um, you can do with like Android twi- Android 10 and above now. Um, I don't know about iOS, but um, you know on my phone I can cut off like all the permissions that they ask for me. Um, so the only one um, uh, the only one I allow is a uh, microphone and storage, and I should probably cut off microphone. <laughs> and, I, I, you know, and even with that said, microphone and storage like hello, there's there's shit in my storage. You know what I mean? And obviously my microphone, could, they could be listening right now. Hi, Messenger. <laughs> you know what I mean? As I look at my phone right now. Uh, but, you know, I've, de- I've denied my calendar, my camera, my contacts, my location, my SMS and telephone. So, you know, that's some. But microphone and storage, you know, that's still, that's still a lot of data right there Um, in in a lot in a lot of ways. So, um, I don't know. But, uh, you know, a, a, a mate told me uh, last night that he was he's going to try and get his uh, whole family on a signal and they're all on whatsapp and uh <laughs> and i just told him good luck <laughs> <laughs> uh, because uh because i mean i put the i put i did the fear of god uh you know um thing into my into my mum and uh, she was just like no 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 and even though she has an amazon kindle fire you know i mean <laughs> it's like um I'll, I'll, i won't tell her that because she enjoys that kindle but uh you know it's, it's gonna happen at some point. Unless you're like on fucking Linux or some shit, you know what I mean? It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen for you for everyone. Uh but you know, for messaging, such a such a such a simple thing these days. got go have that end to end encryption. You know, go have it. And I feel like, you know, uh the last the last bit by Doffman there saying like you know, you can have WhatsApp but you should have WhatsApp signal in parallel. It's kind of what I'm doing right now. I have WhatsApp and signal in parallel. Um and you know, a few of my people are joining, you know, a few times a week, which is good. Um, and uh, you know, once everyone I know that I, you know, that I value on, on WhatsApp anyway, that I chat to regularly on, on WhatsApp, migrate. Then you know, that's WhatsApp done for me. But I know for a lot more people, there are a lot more numbers that they talk to, a lot of group chats, a lot of you know, individual people they talk to. They only have like six, you know, what I mean, so it's not that deep for me. Um, but it's got to be done, man. It's got to be done. It's not a matter of if, it's simply a matter of when. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, on the 5th and Podcast Network, I'm to China you, This has been was good. Intro music has been too much by Vanilla. Interlude music has been charismatic by Nappy High. You can find both of their links uh, via their pardon, individual sites <laughs> on the full show notes. Thanks to Jobbreakers Breakers for the used Vanilla's track. Uh, we, you can find their entire Bandcamp discography. In the full show notes. And with that said, hope you all have a good week. I shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.